Good morning, everybody. This is Austin Griffiths, one of your hosts of the Two Peas on a Pod podcast, coming at you live this morning. Welcome to the podcast, and boy, do we have an exciting guest for you today. And I uh, just want to tell you about our email again. If you want to send us some criticism or suggestions or reviews, that email is 2Ps21 at yahoo.com, T-W-O. P-E-A-S-2-1 at yahoo.com. And without further ado, we've got a great pastor friend of mine, pastors in Huntington, West Virginia, Good Shepherd Holiness Church, Brother Jason Painter. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Brother Austin. It's good to be here with you today. Thank you so much for coming. I asked him probably several months ago about being on the podcast, and uh, he agreed and just now getting some time, and he happened to be coming my way, so it worked out perfect to snag him over here and interview him here for a little bit. And so without further ado, Brother Jason's going to give us his personal testimony. Yes, Brother Austin. Um, he had asked me to give my testimony. I probably have a a little bit of unique testimony for most in the holiness movement. Um, <clears throat> I come from a family that never really knew a whole lot about God. Um, I, I tell the testimony someone I'm preaching. My grandfather on my mom's side was uh, 72 or 74 years old when he had passed away. And my dad told me that as far as he knew, my grandpa had never stepped foot in a church in, in his whole life. That was on my mother's side. On my dad's side, his uh, his grandfather was an old bootlegger back in the hills of uh, Mingo County, West Virginia. And he was a rather sinful, wicked man also. And he had made the wrong people mad. And, uh, and they had cut him up and stuffed him in a hollow log, all my family talks about. Shoo, that's terrible. Yes. And uh, so that's the kind of roots that I came out of. Nobody knew much about God. But uh, my my aunt Patsy, my dad's sister, did marry a uh, brother Larry Stevens, who turned out to later be my pastor. And his uh, some of his people knew about God. So, uh, and make a long story short, we all we all got saved <clears throat> in a little place in Gilbert, West Virginia, Tam Cliff Holiness Church. And uh, and but my mom, uh, she started taking me and my sister to church when. Uh, I was about eight. My sister was probably about ten, and uh, and so anyway, my mom said she wanted things to be different for her children, and oh, what a difference it made! And uh, my my ancestors never knew anything about God. They were sinners, and uh, just like I just told you. But for me, God flipped the switch. He completely turned it around. And, uh, and just to give a short little brief here at the start, but you know. Um, not only did I get saved, but I've never drank, I've never smoked, I've never, never, uh, you know, and participated in things of the world such as that. And so, not only did God save me from a family of sin, but He completely flipped the script. Amen. That's awesome. And uh, and I got saved and and really got a hold of it from a young age. And uh, and now I've I've got five children of my own, and and they don't. You know, they don't grow up in that type of environment, so that's just a wonderful testimony of how God can change things around. Amen. That's exactly right. And uh, the thing that was going through my mind right there was, you know, there's a lot of people that have, you know, great testimonies about, you know, I was a drug addict or I was a drunk or, you know, my family was a wreck. And, you know, every testimony is great. 
But I like one thing my pastor has always said. He said, the greatest testimony yes. is that of yours and that of my wife's. I don't have that testimony. Mm-hmm. But the greatest testimony is that I've never done drugs. I've never drank alcohol. I've never cussed. I've never done this. I've never done that. What a wonderful testimony to say, you know, we was all sinners. We all, we all know that. We was born with inherited sin yes. in our life. We was all sinners needing a Savior. But to say that you've never indulged in gross sin, that's, I mean, that's the greatest testimony. Praise the Lord. I tell him all the time, just to get a little comical joke here, um, my pastor's son, his name was Bill Stevens, and uh, worst thing I ever did, people joke about this, but uh, we got out in my uncle's garden one time and uh, rolled up some old corn silk in a brown paper paper sack and smoked corn silk that's the worst thing i've ever did <laughs> but god's good amen but he's, that was nice <laughs> i like to choke myself to death yeah and i made my mind up right then i'd never smoke and never do those type of things so god's a good god spared me and uh so anyway i got saved from a young age i really should have started preaching the gospel at about 15 years of age but once again i I had read the Bible through for the first time when I was 14. I think that's a good a good thing to do before you start preaching. But right. um, I was just worried and afraid and, and didn't think I could. Wasn't sure I was called, but the Lord kept calling me. And finally, by the age of 17 years old, I started preaching the gospel at uh, Tam Cliff Holiness Church in Gilbert, West Virginia. And uh, and the Lord's just he he just really blessed us and helped us and. Um, and just brother also wanted me to tell um, my testimony um, I reached out to a lot of people in school and uh, made fun of by, by a lot you know when you because you went to public school you went to public school right. Gilbert Gilbert High School and uh, it's not even in existence anymore it's a it consolidated it's a it's a county school I think Mingo Central they call it now but anyway um, so you know some people made fun of me all called me the old holiness preacher carry your bible to school that kind of thing but you know a lot of people respected me and they looked up to what i believed in and they knew i was genuine and uh just to uh, kind of make a long story short i remember i had a burden for a a boy um that i had went to school with um i'm getting ahead of myself i had played sports brother austin and uh and when I got about 13 years old, my pastor preached against worldly, worldly in, in engagements and playing on the sports teams. And so I prayed about it, and I felt like it would be God's will for me to quit. I played baseball, I played basketball, I played football. And, uh, and what the listeners can't see is you're—I mean, right now you're six-two, <laughs> and uh, I mean you're just the picture of an athletic person. I was good. <laughs> <laughs> And so what they can't see is that, you know, there's a reason why people would want you. You look just like a basketball player and, uh, you know, a quarterback size or whatever, you know. So I could see the the draw there as a young person, you know, especially in school when all the coaches are coming at you saying, hey, play for me. Yes. And that's what I had. I had coaches coming saying, you don't want to quit because when I finally come out and said, the Lord has dealt with me, I want to quit all this. Everybody thought I was crazy. I had coaches come to me and said you'll regret this this is a big mistake but i said i prayed about it the lord's dealt with me my pastor preaches against it i'm going to quit all this that's great and so uh, but anyway um uh, i'm trying to trying to figure out how to go with this later on i want to i do want to throw this in later on in life 
after the coaches and, and several people that I played sports with, they all told me I was making a mistake. Later on um, in high school, 12th grade, senior year, um, a scholarship had come up. It only comes up every four years. And uh, I applied for that. I w had the worst grade point average. I had the worst ACT scores. And uh, But I applied for that scholarship to go to Marshall University, which is in Huntington. This is what got me to Huntington. But uh, anyway, I applied for that scholarship. I was the worst applicant that had applied. But uh, and because I feel like, because I was faithful to the Lord and I laid everything down that he had ever dealt with me on sports, you name it. I never went to the proms. I never did all those things. I laid all that aside, preached the gospel from a young age. And uh, so later on, uh, in high school, I, I applied for that four-year scholarship, the worst applicant possible. And guess who who won a four-year, full-ride, books, tuition, room, and board, paid for a four-year ride to Marshall University. Wow! You guessed it, old brother Jason. But uh, that's a that's amazing. Yes, that is amazing. But uh, I always look back on that. A teacher gave me some insight later. She said, Jason, when when we had the interviews. It was in the, the library of our old high school. I still remember going in for those interviews. They said, on paper, you was the worst. You was the worst applicant, the worst grade point average, the worst ACT scores. She said, but the last person we sent to Marshall on that very same scholarship had the best grades, had the best uh, ACT scores. And he went to Huntington, the big, you know, I grew up in a town with no red light. <laughs> I mean, that's how small Gilbert, West Virginia is. 53 in our graduating class, very small town. So uh, the guy that had got the scholarship the, the previous year before me, four years, it was only ever four years, he, uh, he went to Huntington and, and got wild and laid out and partied and drank, and he, he lost that scholarship. And, you know, after his first wow. year, he flunked out. And so that looked bad on him. So they were afraid of sending, sending someone this particular time and that was that would do the same thing and, and lose quit the, the scholarship yes, possibly yes they was afraid that the sponsors of that scholarship would quit them so right they said they had a meeting and they said uh, so what we're going to do we got these that's that's better looks like better on paper and uh, and so two or three got to standing up teachers and uh, <laughs> I'm old grass for a living now I'm a nurse also but currently I have a lawn business but I've always cut grass I cut grass for the teachers back in Gilbert wow. several of them teachers but anyway they got to stand up for me and they said hey Jason may not have the best grades he may not have the best ATC score but if you bring him in here one more time and you ask him if he'll go down there and make the most of it they said I guarantee you this he'll go give it his best shot so uh, they, they did they called me in a second time and they said if you get this scholarship will you give us your word that you'll stick it out for four years and I said, yes, if I end up getting this scholarship, I'd prayed about it. And I felt good about it. And uh, I knew the Lord was in the arrangements. I said, I'll stick it out. I'll give it my best shot. So that was the argument, the final argument about that scholarship. They're like, you know, we can take a chance on somebody that their character is iffy. Right. Or Jason's not the best on paper, but he'll go down there and stick it out. Well, they've seen your testimony. You yeah. know, you stand up to the coaches and tell them no. Yes. And then you stand up to all the peer pressure, which can be one of the worst things a young person goes through. Mm -hmm. And I want to apologize for this sound in the background. we got a furnace going, and it's cold outside. So there's <laughs> nothing I do about it. Anyways, you stood up to everybody, and you mowed grass for the teachers. So they seen your work ethic. Yes. they seen your character. 
they knew your reputation mm-hmm. and so to me it's a you know it, it's kind of a no-brainer he's not gonna drink he's not gonna party he's not gonna get high he might not have the best grades but we can count on him he's gonna be worth this yes and so the lord worked it out for me and that that's what got me to huntington west virginia was that four-year ride that's awesome which i ended up going to nursing school and became a, a registered nurse which I did work at for 12 years, but, you know, the last several years. So did they pick the profession for you, or, or was it just open? <laughs> yeah, it was open. You, you just go do what you wanted to do. And and my dad kind of told me, my plan was to be a nurse and move back home to Gilbert because uh-huh. where I'm from is coal mines and logging. That's all there was. Yeah. And, uh, and a little hospital close by, my dad's like, you need to go to school to be a nurse, and you can come back home and work in the hospital. But as you know it never worked that way i know a guy that got a four-year scholarship to a big university and took four years of pottery (laughs) (laughs) oh what a waste what a a full ride (laughs) oh anyways go ahead but uh but in the midst of all that brother austin um you know i started preaching and and some of those that that i quit playing sports with you know i still had a burden for them i'd witness to them i'd talk to them but uh one in one fella in particular and uh, I'll just use his first name because there's a thousand million Seths out there his name was Seth and uh, and I really took a burden for him and I got to praying for him got to witnessing to him about the Lord and uh, and one particular night the Lord gave me a, a vision a dream whatever you call it but in that in that vision I felt like it was one of the last calls for this young man that I was had been dealing with his name was Seth and uh, and but anyway, I, I went up to him, and I, I still remember to this day. Right now, I can see the picture in the hallway. I can see the lockers in the background, and uh, and I got to talking to him, zeroing in to him about the Lord and how he needed to be saved. And I said, Seth, son, we're young. Right now's the time to calm down. I, I knew some things. I knew he had already started drinking. I knew he had already been testing some drugs. You know, you go to public school, you know what people do, and. Uh, so I knew he was already heading the wrong direction. I said, man, you're young, and you need to straighten your life out. And so I began to witness to him about the Lord. And uh, I'll never forget the words that he spoke to me. He said, Jason, I'm young now. He said, it's time to party. He said, I'm going to live life up. I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do. And then someday when I get old, he said, then I'll calm down. I'll settle down, and and I may think about going to church in my old age. He said, but I'm young, and I'm going to live it up. And I'll never, never forget, as I stood there in the hallway of that school, tears in my eyes, begging him, you know, hey, you know, you need to rethink this because life is short. It's not as long as you think it is because I had already had a burden for him. I had already had a a dream, vision, what you want to call it, uh, with him in it. And so I was very fearful for him. And uh, I'll never forget those words when he, he just said, I'm young. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to calm down. Wow. I'm going to live it up and party. And so in the space of time, I'm pretty sure he was he was a junior or a senior that year. I was one grade behind him. So so uh, I'm thinking he was a junior and I was I was a sophomore. And uh, in the space of time, a couple of years come and gone. I was and in so my, was he like high up in sports? Yes. I think he, you had told me before. He was a good football player, good basketball player. I had played sports with him, and uh, he was very popular, and he was one of the popular clicky kids in school, uh-huh. and uh, it seemed like I had everything going for him. So and, the local young preacher from the country church downtown <laughs> yes. 
walked up to one of the most popular sports kids in school and said, I was praying. I mean, I've been in public school my whole life, too. So I know, I can only imagine, I was not a young preacher in high school. I, I, I was very far from that, unfortunately. I did go to the Holiest Church, but I, I needed to be a little a little more grounded. But, uh, but anyways, you walked up to the most popular, one of the most popular sports kids in school and said, hey, I was praying and the Lord dealt with me. And you're on your last, you know, you're on your last leg. You need yeah. to straighten up. And he just laughed at you and said, "I'd rather party." Yeah, just shook it off. That's unreal to have the the, the gumption to mm-hmm. you know to do that. Yes, and um, so it did take about two years, and uh, and so I had I remember very vaguely, or very vividly rather, that uh, I was in my first year at Marshall. I had moved to Huntington, which is about two and a half hours away from Gilbert, the town that I grew up in. And uh, I still remember my phone going off in my pocket. I had I had started mowing lawns. I was out cutting grass in in Huntington there, and my sister uh, had had called and I I'd seen her number, so I stopped the lawnmower and I answered the phone, and I said hello Jessica, and she said hey Jason. She said have you heard the news? And I said no, I'll never forget. And she said had you heard about Seth last night? And I said no. She said well you never believe it. Seth and and uh, Rustin, another boy we grew up with, he was a good sports player. She said Seth and Rustin and Seth's girlfriend was in a car, and uh, she named the name of the place over in the real uh, country road. And she said they was out partying last night, drinking, and they're pretty sure they had drugs mixed in with that. And said they had went over an embankment, and the car hit a tree. Rustin came out with hardly a scratch. But Seth and his girlfriend was killed. That looks like instantly on impact, and I'll never forget. My heart wow. sank, brother Austin. I'll never forget. My heart sank, and I thought, "Oh God!" Knowing oh. that God gave him an open invitation. Yes, and he turned it turned it aside. Wow! <clears throat> and I remember thinking, "Oh God!" You know, I wish I could have did something to reach him, and uh, I did what any friend should do. I, I waited a day or two, and I packed a few belongings and I drove back home went back to Gilbert and I'll never forget a uh, little old, uh, Church of God church they had him in and I remember he was busted up from that wreck and they had a like a net they had an open casket but Just they had 20 some years old 20 probably 21 wow no 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 20 I'd say about 20 years old and uh, and so they had a net over his casket to kind of mar you could see him but you couldn't see him great because of that net that they had over that casket and they they sit there while them preachers preached him into the pearly gates this young man here how he loved the lord and spent his life playing sports for the lord and <laughs> and i seen his mom and dad up there of course they were hurting and and i had kind of forgot about the past you know i remembered the lord dealt with me and but i had forgot the words that he spoke to me <clears throat> there in the in the hallways of the school and when they called our row you know how they do at a funeral they call you row by row right and i remember when they called my row and i walked up there to say goodbye for the last time and i looked down in that coffin and there was a childhood friend of mine and the lord spoke to my heart and he said do you remember and uh, and at that moment that's how i remember this so well at that moment i remembered the lord said do you remember standing in that hallway and I, just like that i could see the lockers i could see seth I could feel the Spirit of God dealing with him. And the Lord said, do you remember that? And I said, yes, Lord. 
I remember witnessing to him. I remember telling him about God, telling him he needs to calm down, give his life to you. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, what did he say? And I said, he said he's young now and it's time to party. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And as you know, I've preached this message. And, uh, and the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, the party's over. The party's over. And that was a... And I can feel him right now just <clears throat> you telling that. The party's over. That, that was oh, a turning man. point in my early ministry. That was a turning point in my early years. You know, just to know that the Lord could speak to you, just to know that the Lord could right. use a young boy like me, which I didn't think God could use, a young country hick from Gilbert, West Virginia, but to know that God could speak to me, to know that God could, could uh, you know, use an old country boy like me. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, um, I guess the essence of the story is don't ever, don't ever take the Spirit of God for granted. Don't ever <clears throat> turn him away because... You know, some people are, have a lot of grace, Brother Austin. Some right. people God reaches to multiple times. Some people get saved in every other youth camp. Some people get saved in every other revival. But the essence of the story is God's only obligated to reach his spirit and that conviction one time. And once God reaches one time, that's all he's obligated. Well, he's a sovereign God. Sovereign. He does what he wants. We're not God. We shouldn't reject him. Shouldn't reject him. Anything, anything past that first initial time is grace. It's just the grace of God. So we should never turn away His grace. I can only imagine, you know, if that was me at your age, going to college on a scholarship that God had given me, mm-hmm. and I was a young preacher, and uh, I guess you was going to Flatwoods. Yes, at that to, time for church. So you was probably what thirty minutes mm-hmm. or so from the church. So you're still going to the Holiness Church. You're still preaching and uh, just living for God. Going to going to college, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But then you go home, and I could only imagine how that would shake a young preacher up. Yes, it sure did. So uh, uh, my family, my dad gives me a hard time to go home. And even my wife in, in her early ministry, we got married at 19. And, of course, I was preaching then, but I used to preach on hell all the time. <laughs> and my whole family used to, that would be the joke of the family. What's Jason going to preach on? He's going to preach on hell, but I seen I seen from a young age it's very important, very vital to reach for the lost because yeah. it might be your last chance. It's one of my most common messages. I know a lot of people on this podcast probably never heard either one of us, and uh, but you know I, I preach on hell very often. Mm-hmm. But somebody's got to. Somebody has. Joel Osteen ain't gonna do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> yeah. T.D. Jakes ain't gonna preach it. So well, uh, as young. Holiness, even older, you know, us holiness preachers are going to have to take the realm, take the hold of that mantle and preach to the world, man. There's a hell out there. Yes, there's a heaven. Did you know Jesus taught on hell uh, four times more than he did heaven? And yeah. He taught to us, preached to us, and told us that there's a hell and to miss and escape that place called hell. So um, I still preach on hell, but not near as much <laughs> as I used to because it was a. If I didn't preach it every night, it was it was, it was coming around the corner, you know. Yeah. If I missed a night or two preaching on hell, get ready, <laughs> because uh, it did shape and mold my early ministry to know that that life is short. Right. You know, Seth was probably somewhere around twenty years old, and and just to see a young life, right. and uh, here you got preachers. I'm a preacher preaching him into the pearly gates, and he died drunk with and drugs in his system, but yet he went yeah. died and went to heaven according to that preacher. And I know as sure as I'm sitting right here, that the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said the party's over. And so it lets us know life is life is fragile, life yes. is short, 
and uh, we better make the most of it right now. And so you left that funeral and you went back to college. Went back to college. And uh, one, you know, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to have you on here, not only just awesome testimony, but you know the fact that you done something that is very rare, and you grew up in a public school. We already went through that. Preached, mm-hmm. stood up to the crowd, went to college. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks go to college. There's a young man, and uh, I don't know. I don't think we've ever mentioned on this podcast, but there's a young man that was raised right here in Vanceburg, right here at this church, right here. I knew his family very well. Didn't really know him very well, but knew his family very well. And uh, somebody's passing by in a loud truck. But <laughs> anyways, um, he grew up right here. Went to Sunday school here. Raised up in the same youth group as my wife, and you know, in the Holiness Church. But he grew up and went to college. And when he went to college down the road here, they told him and taught him that God wasn't real. It was all fairy tale. It was all fables. Yeah. And so he got it in his mind that God wasn't real and started getting out and drinking and on drugs. And right here, just probably less than five miles from where we're sitting right now in my little office he about cut a guy's head off Mm. and he's in prison and i don't know how long he'll be there probably for the majority of his life and he was raised right here in my home church um right now where my wife has you know been raised and uh, just went to college and went the opposite way Mm -hmm. on how he was raised and so you went to college and continued and got your degree became a nurse and I, i want you to just talk about that a minute just you know you can live for god yes you don't have to listen to the you know i'm not against college but you need to pray about it you mm-hmm. prayed about it you felt like it was the will of god and it's proved out to be the will of god yes you know we don't when you graduate high school it's not automatically you go to college you need to pray for the will of god pray for god's will. it ain't god's will for every person in america to go to college and i may get some you know some criticism from that mm-hmm. but i can't help it it might be god's will for you to do something else Yes, I will agree, Brother Austin. I agree with that one hundred percent. It's it's not college is not for everyone, and and I don't mean to say that, you know, in in a way that lifts some up and others not, you know, put yeah. others down. But it it is you have to have a mindset. Well, when, that boy shouldn't have went. <laughs> he might still be saving in church today. You're right. You have to have a mindset that you know. I'm going to go to college, and I'm going to keep God first because, as you just pointed out, the college life in general is a very wild, uh, charismatic lifestyle. you got teachers that teach against God. Right. I mean, there's nothing basically in college that builds God up at all. Right. But um, Even in some Bible colleges. <laughs> yes, yes, even in some Bible colleges. But, you know, I went to a secular college, Marshall University. It's in Huntington, West Virginia. And uh, if if we have a few minutes, I'll give you a personal testimony of mine. Um, I did go to to Marshall with a um, with a, a boy that I had grew up with. His name was Joe David, and Joe David and I roomed and boarded, you know, together for the first year. And naturally, I'm in a, a new a new city, a new place, and I got to getting homesick. I went home a lot on the weekends, you know, to my home church. But <clears throat> while I was there through the week, you know, it got boring. So. Guess what happens? The devil tempts me again. Right. I gave you the testimony how I quit sports and all that. So um, Joe David was the third-string quarterback for Marshall. And probably a lot of listeners out here wouldn't know. But um, at the time, Chad Pennington had just graduated Marshall, won championships. He went on to play professional quarterback football. And right behind him was another quarterback named Byron Lefwich. Right there, stayed in the same building I stayed at. And he, he later on became a professional quarterback in the NFL. 
So Joe David was third string quarterback behind Byron Leftwich. I was bored sitting around the apartment. You know, there's only so much study you can do. Joe said, hey, he said, why don't you come down? Uh, it's not a game or nothing. Why don't you come down and watch me practice? So I should not have did it, but guess what I did? I got suckered into that. I go down to the Marshall Stadium where they're practicing, and guess who I see? I see, I didn't worry about Joe David. I see Byron Leftwich out there zipping this ball. I mean, he's throwing that thing. And naturally, that caught my attention because, I mean, I, I like sports. I, I still like to play cornhole and volleyball. And so that really got my attention. And uh, I could feel some old fires bubbling back up. And next evening, Joe's like, you're going to come watch me practice. So two or three evenings in a row, I got suckered in. And before I knew it, man, I, I was enjoying going watching these guys practice. And so uh, over the process of time, I knew I shouldn't be hanging out over there. This was a good lesson early in my college, you know, the first year, right off the bat, I got sucked into this. Okay, after several practices, they got a time for the green and white game, they call it, just before the season starts. Mm -hmm. The green team plays the white team, which is an in-house scrimmage game. You know, full pads, full full game. is just Marshall practicing against themselves or having a game against themselves. And so my heart gets to beating. Joe Davis like, are you going to come watch us? Are you going to come watch the green and white game? And something in my heart told me said, if you go to that green and white game, that's, that's you're going to be you're gone. You're going to be sucked into this. And so, uh, thank God, I made the right decision. And wow. my heart was beating, and I said, no way, no way. I'm I'm done. The Lord pulled me out of all this. And so I learned very early in my college, you know, uh, stint there. I, I've learned very early. That if I was going to make it through college, here's what Jason had to do. I had to get my book bag on my back. I had to go in there and go to my classes. And when class was over, I cut all ties and I got out of there. I went back went back to my own place. And that's where I did my study. That's where I did what I had to do because I realized. And I felt like I was a strong Christian, Brother Austin. I grew up, I grew up you know, in a strong holiness church. Had good convictions, good standards, good. You know, we believed good, and uh, but I, I could tell real quick I was getting sucked into that. And if I didn't cut ties, I'd have been. I feel like next, I, if I'd have went to that green and white game, I'd have been going to the Marshall games, and I'd been one of them crazy fanatics out there, jumping and hollering <laughs> with my face and chest and everything all painted up green and white, looking like a bunch of hoodlums. But so I found out ver very early in my college. Uh, there that I was going to have to do, go to college, go to school, do my educational things, and get out of there. And uh, that is my recommendation. If there would be any young person listening to this podcast today and you're praying about going to college or praying about going, you know, to some type of a secular education, um, the best way, I feel like the only way you could you can do that and do it prosperously is you got to do what you have to do and get out. It's kind of the same same scenario on a job. You know, you work a public job, right. you work around centers. You can't hang with them people. You can't make them your best friends and right. hang out on the weekends. You've got to keep it professional, do what you have to do, and then and then get out of there. That's exactly right. And what a wonderful testimony that you can make it. You don't have to, 
you know, fall. You don't have to give in. You don't have to sow your wild oats. Yes. That's one of the things I was telling you on the phone the other day mm-hmm. is uh, your testimony is just proof. You don't have to, you know, I know you made mistakes. You gave in, you know, like you admitted, uh, admitted just there. But you didn't, ha- you didn't have to sow your wild oats. Some say, well, they just got to sow their wild oats. They just got to get that wild out of them. Yes. No, they don't have to. No. But Jason Painter is a, is a person right here. And uh, my wife's another one. My mm-hmm. brother-in-law's another one. They, they, all kinds of them I could mention. They didn't have to. Didn't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to go out and do that kind of stuff. And uh, I know from personal experience, because I did. Yes. I did go out and sow my wild oats, and I wished a million times over I wouldn't have. That's right. And, you know, I'm, I'm where I'm at today, And uh, but I wished I wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. I wished I would not have. But anyways, it's been so wonderful to have you on the podcast and for all those that are listening um this is not it this is not the conclusion of brother jason's testimony this is just uh just part one we're going to do a part two he's a pastor of a church here and uh we've got all the way up to him uh started preaching going to flatwoods church there going home and uh we're, we're right at the breaking point of him getting ready to start a pioneer work and so if you want to hear more about that god's got a lot of miracles he done in this work so please continue listening to brother jason painter's personal testimony and uh, we just appreciate everybody that's been listening here to the podcast and tune in and listen and we will see you later Child, well done. 